0: I Could Murder a Podcast is proudly part of the Acast Creator Network. For hundreds of extra minisodes and other content, along with our private Discord server and live Q&As, exclusive merch and much more, consider subscribing to icmap.co.uk.
1: Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. shopify.com slash audioboom
3: Warning. The following episode contains subject matter and scenes that some viewers may find upsetting, disturbing, or unnerving. Please note viewer discretion is advised at all times. Sit back and enjoy. Welcome to Santa Cruz a peaceful and picturesque little beach town right on the crest of California. Famed for our sun, sea, and surf, we are also immensely proud to be the brand new home of the University of California, which is currently attracting more and more diverse, forward-thinking, and spirited young students from all over the country every single year. With a vibrant nightlife, white sandy beaches, decadent mountain trails, and colorful countrysides, we truly have something to offer everyone. So, why not pay us a visit sometime and get caught up in the magic of the Santa Cruz sunshine? But, and I must stress this, please remember to never accept a ride from a stranger.
0: Hello and welcome back to our Good Murderer podcast. I'm Tom and I'm joined again by Ben. Again and again and again. And again. How's it going? You're not bad, Ben. I'm still feeling pretty good.
3: A whole season you sat next to me.
0: I've managed to get through it. And uh, I'd like to thank people who watch, <laughs> people who private message me and support me throughout this time. It's Is there been a lot of that? Lots, of, lots of, it. of it. Fair play to you, mate. And I'm like, Cheers. <laughs> How wow. you doing?
3: Yeah, 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 not so bad. We made it. Season finale, Season series finale.
0: finale. So uh, it's probably series. It's probably news to the the viewers and listeners. This is the uh, last episode of the series, um, the sixth episode, and we're going to end it with a bang.
3: Yeah, I was uh, I was so excited that we were covering this case that I forgot I to... the
0: lights on. What light? That was all right,
3: that. And I was so excited, Tom, that we were covering uh, this case, this particular case today, that I forgot to put my black bins out.
0: Oh, whoa, that must be a... Uh... Once again, a huge thank you to everyone who's listened, who's watched, who's shared, who's liked, any commented, all those things. We've been blown away by the support and the yeah, the general good vibes everyone's given the uh, given the show.
3: Oh, 100%. And I mean, we started off with episode one. You caught me out where. Uh with me saying i wanted to be binged. We now have six episodes for you guys. Um, you know, all touching on the hour mark. So, you know, just while we have this little break, uh, you know, have a have a little binge. 6 hours of content. I mean, that's yeah. that's
0: two but that's four rom-coms. That's
3: yeah, I mean and for me, true crime obviously best enjoyed just before bed or a light a lazy weekend, but um there's 6 hours. You choose you choose what you do with them. Um, you know, if you want to listen to us at midday, Go ahead. That's nice of you, Ben, to let them know. Thank you. No, honestly, seriously.
0: And of course, we'll be back strong with season two. We're not too sure the exact date we're coming back yet, but we'll be, of course, we'll be posting it all on our socials when we do know. But Ben, let's get into today's case. Um, this is one that I've known you've been very, very keen. Um, mm. You've kind of led the way more on this one than I have in terms of picking it. Uh, what was it in particular that led you to Ed
3: Kemper? Mr. Ed Kemper, a.k.a. the co-ed killer, a.k.a.? The co-ed butcher, a.k.a. not so often, the ogre of Santa Cruz. Has is is mm, Yeah, there you go. So the reason we wanted to cover uh, Kemper, I mean, he's been brought... He's had much more of a spotlight shone on him via uh, uh, the fantastic Netflix series Mindhunter. I mean, guilty. That's how I know him. Yeah. Take me away. <laughs> Lock don't, him up. Don't, Throw don't, Because we've got to do the episode.
0: So that will be stupid. Yeah, I saw a Mindhunter. Don't touch I saw him in Mindhunter, and um, the the actor playing him was amazing. Yeah. And ever since then, yeah, I've looked into more bits of him, and he's a very intriguing character. Old Ed.
3: For me, I was fascinated by Kemper going back what, ooh, maybe ten years. I was uh, never mentioned him. Oh, it was not an easy thing to ago. bring up. Yeah, I think if I log into my old, old, old YouTube account, I'll see my previously watches, uh, and uh, Kemper will feature prominently. I'm not bragging. I just didn't
0: know you were into true crime 10 years ago.
3: I told you I was looking at underground stuff, indie crimes, feeling things out and, uh, well, not feeling things out, but um, Kemper's been on my radar for quite some time, Tom. My fascination with him is, and and there's two Bens that are going to feature in this episode, so if you could kind of split me up or hold me back when when possible, I'd really appreciate it. Um, So one Ben has a soft spot for Kemper, and he absolutely shouldn't have a soft spot for him.
0: There's been a few comments in the other episodes of you kind of having soft spot for killers. Soft spots. I
3: see these comments. Your mum said it. She didn't comment it. She did to me. Anyway, the intrigue with Kemper. Absolute giant of a man. Six foot nine. Incredibly articulate. uh, Has an IQ of 145, um, which is just insane. Um, But the the intrigue with me is the fact that he's turned himself in, which we'll, we'll go into some more detail on shortly. Um, but he's very eloquent in the way that he self-analyses himself, almost self-diagnoses himself as you view these uh, these interviews, all of which are available on YouTube. There are tons of them, tons of different interviews. He's been uh, incarcerated for um, 40-odd, 50-odd years now. Yeah, some very good documentaries of the policemen who actually caught him and you know were friendly
0: with him, which we'll get into.
3: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, that's exactly. He's very, very likable. Um, he's He's mild-mannered. He's friendly. He's smart. He's intelligent. He's got quite a dry sense of humor which obviously i'm into obviously so he was uh, he was a big name and uh, that's why we've kind of saved him to go out uh, t- you know to conclude season 1 with so uh, big ed i think
0: he's a big name but there's for a lot of people they don't know they know him but they don't know a lot about him so i think this will be a good episode to kind of just get people you know get to get people aware exactly the kind of his story.
3: Yeah, I mean, this is a big old dive. As far as our dives have gone so far. This is, a big... this is like, if you're in the sea, Mariana's Trench. Oh, <laughs> Lengthy lengths. Deeply depths.
0: What the hell are you talking?
3: Just trying to stay positive.
0: Okay, Ben, for the last time of series one, can you please set the scene? Let's do it.
3: The year is 1973. It's dawn. A six foot nine inch shadow silhouettes underneath misty streetlights by a gas station in Pueblo, Colorado. The weary figure of a tall man casts itself back and forward as he paces up and down the rocky roadside. He has just spent the last 48 hours and almost 1500 miles driving non stop from the seaside town of Santa Cruz, California, functioning only on the caffeine pills he's consumed. The giant of a man is close to collapse physically emotionally mentally he checks his car radio again and again switching stations back and forth waiting to hear his story break the news nothing is reported nothing is revealed his heart still racing he makes his way into a phone booth spilling his heart to the answering detective his confessions are met with disregard and disbelief he is told to call back at a more appropriate hour Dawn turns to daylight and he makes a second call, this time reaching his friend, Detective Jim Connor. Again, he spills his heart, calling for help and unloading his confessions. In shock, the Santa Cruz Police Department follow up his confessions. Bewildered and in disbelief, the gentle giant has led them straight to two dead bodies in his house, with many more to follow. Big Ed, as he is affectionately known, now reveals himself to be the Co-Ed Killer.
0: Oh, that was intense, Ben. Mm-hmm. But when you said Big Ed, you weren't talking about 90 Day Fiancé, Big Ed.
3: Well, necks are a running theme in this case, and Kemper would have had no chance of him. I don't think, even though Ed Kemper
0: is a very clever man, I'm not sure he would know what to make of other Big Ed.
3: Yeah. I'd love
0: to see a twin style movie with Big Ed and Big Ed.
3: That would work. That would be beautiful, and I think it would probably be um, to scale. Big Eds. The Big Eds, they could call it. Cruising around. Oh. Well, causing mischief.
0: As we mentioned, we've deep-dived on Kemper with this, and there's lots and lots and lots of information. So what we're going to do is we're going to start from the very beginning to see how we got to the stage where he was calling the police and handing himself in.
3: I think it's important to to bear in mind we are going to go right from birth all the way through his childhood, adulthood. There's a lot of information here, but you will quickly start to notice that, um, you know, some people say, are they born to kill? Were they formed to kill? I have my opinion um, that he was absolutely formed to kill. Okay, but uh, you know, let's go through it. Let's uh, let's crack on. So, December eighteenth, nineteen forty-eight, Edmund Emil Kemper the Third is born in Burbank, California. He is the middle of three children, and he has a younger and older sister. Son to Clarnell Elizabeth Kemper and his father, Edmund Emil Kemper II. Now, his father was a World War II veteran um, who, from returning uh, from the war, went on to become a nuclear weapons tester over in the Pacific Proving Grounds before returning to California, where he worked as an electrician. Um, Now, Kemper had a very close relationship uh, with his dad, loved his dad's to bit, shared the same name, uh, the second and the third, also obviously the grand... The grandfather, who we'll go into some more detail on shortly, uh, was Edmund Emil Kemper I. Or just Ed. Just Ed. Just Ed. Yeah. So Kemper's mum, Clarnell, by all accounts, was not a very nice lady. um, And both Eds in the house um, repeatedly kind of uh, had run-ins with her to the point where the dad actually compared his time spent during the war and his time on nuclear weapons sites uh, as, you know, a better place to be rather than being with her. So he actually said (laughs) suicide missions in wartime and the atomic bomb testing were nothing compared to living with that woman. (laughs) He also went on to say that Clarnell affected him more than 396 days of fighting on the front line did. Wow. Powerful words. So you can only imagine the type of lady that she was.
0: I mean, from that as well, that as a kind of in, in the heat of an argument, that as an insult, he seems to be fairly you know, cl- clever as well.
3: Yeah. Well, Wait. there you go. That could be where he gets it. Away, away, with, words. away with words. Yeah. Winter
0: 1957, Ed Kemp is very um, upset because his parents are splitting up. He's very, very close to his father. And obviously, uh, we've already heard that living with his mum has been hellish and uh, his dad's leaving and he's been left with his mum. And with the divorce, Ed has to move his mum to Helena, Montana. And at this stage, his mum's very unstable, and she's actually an alcoholic. She would frequently belittle Ed, um, she would abuse him. She would often make him sleep downstairs in the basement in fear that he would harm his sisters. Which, I mean, he must have some kind of traits, if, uh, unless she's just randomly thinking that he's going to hurt the.
3: I think size maybe a consideration is a big lad, but also you know she had she had. From what we've read about her, she seems to have something against um, mm. males. She seems to also have something against, obviously, the, the father or her ex-husband, sorry. Yeah. Um, so maybe she associates baby Ed or childhood eight-year-old Ed as uh, a reminder of her ex-husband. But either way, she's sending him down in a dark basement. He's, he's scared of the dark at that age. Um, and Kemper would go on to claim that he could hear rats moving about and rustling yeah. about. Kemper would later on describe
0: that experience as as if he was descending to hell, and his sisters were going to heaven. And he had a furnace down there, which would burn bright at night. And he'd always associate that in his mind as as that was the separation. His mum would also mock him when he was fifteen because he was six foot four, which quite brave thing to. I mean, big lad. I mean, that's something to be proud of at that age. Yeah, you know, sign him up, celebrate it. Uh, But and also, she wouldn't. she, She said she wouldn't show him a lot of love in fear that it would turn him gay. Which is absolutely absurd. She would constantly say Ed was a reminder of his father. I mean, you named him after his dad, so... And um, no, girl, no woman or girl would ever love him. It was later postulated that Kemper's mother had borderline personality disorder, which, I mean, from that is, is fairly fairly clear.
2: Yeah.
3: Absolutely. Okay, so summer 1959, Kemper is now 10, um, and he begins to show signs of antisocial behaviour. Um, and the first real notice of this is cruelty to animals. That's so always
0: a red flag.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And an early warning sign for someone that might go on to do something then to humans. Um, Kemper buries the family cat alive, waits for it to die. He then digs up the corpse of the cat and decapitates it. Um, Kemper would go on to say that he was very proud of how he lied about this act and that the cat had just disappeared but he would also say the reason that he did this to the cat was that the cat was shown more love and affection by the family by his two sisters and Uh, his mother than he was ever shown
0: I think as well Ben he also mounted the head on a spike in spring 1962 uh, 13 year old Kemper kills another family cat this time he says it's because the cat was shown more favour to one of his sisters I mean this is a cycle already you can see of the jealousy and rage he has within him this time he doesn't just bury it he actually um, cuts it to pieces keeps it in his wardrobe where his mother would eventually find it
3: so not quite a copycat killing (laughs) during this time he also exhibited some other strange behavior um including taking one of his sister's uh toy dolls and kind of tearing the limbs apart tearing the head off um but i did read in uh one of the transcripts that I were looking into and it was a, a deep dive there. We'll go into that in some more detail. But uh, he claims that this was in retaliation to her breaking his cap gun that he got from a trip to New York. Well, I kind of think killing the cat, yeah. Massive red flag. Breaking your sister's doll.
0: It's not... It happens. Sibling well, it doesn't, yeah It doesn't... That doesn't well, I wouldn't be like worried if, if I had a son who did that one. i be like, oh my God, he's... Well, I did something awful to my brother.
3: Not that awful, but I put my foot through his toy wrestling ring. In nice. retaliation for him throwing my uh, remote-controlled racing car on the garage. So you could get it back? Couldn't get up there. Couldn't.
0: It wouldn't. I think you're out of order. Also, a very strange quote from this time was a 13-year-old Kemper said, If I kiss her, I'd have to kill her first. And that was talking about one of his teachers. So a very the thought in his head... Thoughts going around his head of just very disturbing at this, time, at this very early age.
3: Yeah, so in that household, obviously two sisters, one one younger, one older, and his mother. So it's a, a very female dominant household. They were making fun of uh, of Ed because um, I think it was a teacher's birthday or something like that, and they were all kissing her on the cheek, but Ed was the only one in the classroom that refused uh, to oh, okay. do this. Um, obviously, word got back to the sisters, and again, this was that they end up calling him gay and making fun of him for not doing it. But again, to say. Yeah, and he's, if I kiss her, I have to kill her.
0: Yeah, it's very odd. And also... Another he, flag. He also snuck out of his house with his father's bayonet and would watch his second-grade teacher through her windows,
3: which... With oof. a bayonet in hand. Yeah. The same year, summer of 1962, uh, 13-year-old Kemba actually has two near-death experiences. Um, once, when his older sister tried to push him in front of a moving train. Well, yeah, so again we go back to the female dominant household, they're teasing him, they're now pushing him onto train tracks. Okay, yeah. So uh, luckily he was able to get back off the tracks before the, the train got there. Uh, the second time again is his older sister, um, but she pushed Ed into the deep end of a swimming pool, knowing that he uh, he couldn't swim, uh, which resulted in Kemba almost drowning, a lifeguard actually had to save him. You can just stand um, up. That I tall? mean he's six foot no yeah. yeah by that age yeah could have done I mean stop kicking stop paddling and just stand up even though he had a very uh, combative relationship with his sisters he would also play some play
0: some family games with them you know the kind of normal family games you play it or you know uh, hide and seek or electric boy. chair and gas chamber are the games that he played with his younger sister uh, which I mean that house um, in electric chair His sister would uh, tie him up and flip an imaginary switch, and
3: he would tumble over and writhe in pain from electrocution or simulate choking on gas autumn 1963 the very next year uh Kemper runs away from home he decides enough is enough and tries to reconcile with his father um his father's actually over in Van Nuys uh California so I had a little look at this it is a 1180 mile journey so how he did this I couldn't find how he did this but I've I've broken it down for those that are interested in geography um tell me more about the it would take 17 hours by car two and a half days by train slow slow train probably the one that kemper nearly got pushed in front of by the sounds of it um or 363 hours by foot however however he managed to get there he got there because by the time he got there he discovered that his father had remarried and actually had a stepson was the stepson called ed he wasn't he wasn't i couldn't find uh so he could be called ed Well, it could be. Let's not rule it out.
0: Let's not rule it out. That's what I'm saying. Just don't rule it out. That would be a kick in
3: the teeth, wouldn't it?
0: And if he was called Ed uh, 2.5, just to mug him off. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? His dad didn't just uh, kick him out. He let him stay for a short period of time, and they sent him off to live with his paternal grandparents. I'm sure his dad knew what his mother could be like and was like, I'm not going to send him back there, mm-hmm. but I'll send him over to the grandparents. But at
3: the same time, I don't really want him. Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? It's, a temper, it's very much a one-way bond, from from what I'm reading. Mm. Dad's moved first of all when they divorce, which I understand. But then he's travelled all that way, and we've—it's a distance—and yeah. um, uh, he spent a short while with him. And the dad decides, but as well, twist it in the head. Uh,
0: Ed he is a, 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 currently killing cats, doing all these things. He says like him turning up. It's like as well with your new son. Maybe you don't feel safe with having him around him.
3: Yeah, you should have seen what he did to his stepson's action man.
1: <laughs>
0: Kemper hated the idea of living with his grandparents. He later described his grandfather as senile and his grandmother as constantly emasculating me and my grandfather. On August 27th, 1964, age 15, Kemper is sat at the kitchen table with his grandmother called Maud Matilda
3: Huey Kemper. Maud Matilda Huey Kemper. What change is
1: that? It's
3: trying to be a football song.
1: It didn't work. Okay. Um... Selling a little or a lot... Go to Shopify.com slash Audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Audioboom.
0: Where they have a big heated argument and this results in Kemba storming off um, and she's just sitting there, you know, I imagine she's quite smug with the fact that he's, he's stormed off. When Kemper returns, he returns armed with a rifle. It's a rifle that his grandfather gave to him when they went hunting and he shoots his grandmother in the head point blank yeah and then two shots in the back to be to be
3: sure now it's alleged um based on the post-mortem that uh as well as shooting her dead there were some stab wounds found in her body so it's alleged that after she'd passed away Kemper then proceeds to, to stab her corpse multiple times he's claimed his first human kill um his grandmother and at the time his grandfather who he was slightly more had slightly more affection for returns from grocery shopping now ed not wanting his grandfather to go through the pain and the emotional distress of finding his uh the, his soulmate of 50 years although she sounded like she was quite nasty to him belittling him uh, but his wife of 50 years uh to find her dead kemper approaches the car as he returns from grocery shopping and again fires bullets into him at point blank range
0: i kind of feel this is um, a sign of him trying to justify you know it's, it's oh I'm gonna spare his feelings by killing him it doesn't it's yeah. not really something that's gonna wash And I, I, you know when you listen to his interviews and he's so soft, he's softly spoken you may have go oh that's a nice that's a nice reason to kill, for killing someone
3: yeah um but yeah, I'm not really buying it. Another reason we can explore is that he wanted to do this as a way... Obviously, he'd been he'd been made very angry by whatever his grandmother had done to him, but also as a way that he was proving to his parents, if they don't want him, you know, you're not going to send me anywhere. And he was doing it in retaliation true, uh, to having been sent there. Yeah, and especially to his father who sent him there and his, 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 his dad's parents. I mean, yeah, that's very... Very dark. Exactly. So Kemper, um, you know, it's quite a remote area that his grandparents were living. It's a countryside uh, house uh, where he's killed them both. So there's no one that's that's witnessed this. He panics. He phones his mother, of all people, um, explains what's happened. She advises that he, you know, I I don't know what her initial reaction was, but she advises Ed, call the police and wait. Which he does. I
0: mean, and he does that in your monologue. He is nice. He's learned behavior. is. I've done something wrong, I've called the police. He waits to be collected by the police, and after that, he's claimed claim to have said, I just wanted to see what it felt like to kill Grandma. Oh. Which is... Sounds like a little red riding hood. How big are your teeth, Grandma? <laughs> Taste lead, Grandma!
2: Um. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods
3: So Kemper is arrested. He's diagnosed as uh, a paranoid schizophrenic and he is sent to Atascadero State Hospital, which is a maximum security facility for mentally ill convicts. So uh, with Atascadero, and if we're pronouncing that wrong for our American viewers, I do apologize. It's actually a a facility. It's more kind of a hospital-based for mentally ill people, but um, it's for adult and children. Oh, okay. Or adult and... um, transitional age groups so he's juveniles like, you know, yeah juveniles exactly yeah so he's a big guy but he's now going into as a 15 year old guy uh, an environment where there are you know mentally ill adults. he's a big fish going into a big pond
0: yeah so on december 18th 1969 it was ed kemper's birthday his 21st birthday and he was actually released
3: that's that's a gonna wish for a better present couldn't he? exactly
0: and he but he was released back to his mother mm. Which uh, psychiatrists
3: said that wasn't a wise idea. And no yeah. th- I
0: thought, yeah, they're probably
3: the ones to know. Yeah, uh, but what other options did they have? I guess the dad's already said, mm-hmm, you know, put some distance there. And then obviously... The grandparents, yeah. It didn't uh, work out so well when they sent him to his grandparents. Uh, yeah. Maybe they didn't trust the father's judgment after... Yeah. Um, sorry. Yeah that, is yeah. Tr-
0: yeah, that is true. I mean, he he, he endeared himself to the psychiatrists. Um, as we said, like later on in life, we've seen interviews. in he's quite charming he's quite likeable i mean a lot of these people are like we
3: go back to these other people we've covered they all seem to have that charm about them even if Mm. they are evil so yeah so he's really endeared himself to everybody the psychiatric team um you know the guards he's viewed as a model prisoner um and he's getting on so well that he's actually trained up to administer psychiatric evaluations to other inmates in the hospital if you could believe that much yeah and it's,
0: it's, it's been assumed that he's le- he learned a lot from these people as well like he learned from these sex offenders and probably people who are older than him i think as well it might be in the doctor's mind the fact that he went in there at a young age of 15 that maybe they were able to mold him and They thought, yeah you like know, he's
3: not a lost cause
0: no we can yeah. we can make this this kid right um so yeah i mean then they obviously they, they knew about his
3: high iq and everything like that yeah. uh, but anyway he's been released So yeah, I mean, during the time that he was at Atascadero, um, he did complete two IQ tests. The first one uh, coming in at 136, which is uh, over two standard deviations above the average. Uh, And then the second one came in at 145, as we mentioned earlier, which is just... um, incredibly smart incredibly intelligent he admitted that he learned a lot from other sex offenders when when conducting these psychiatric uh, tests on them a few different uh, techniques if you will Uh, for example the best way uh, uh, to get away with raping someone is to kill them because that does not leave a witness yeah Kemper also claimed that during these evaluations, obviously he wasn't just administering them, but he was completing them himself, and he learned how to manipulate psychiatrists.
0: So Kemper is now out, it's, it's three years later, he's living with his mother, N- not a big shock, it's a highly toxic environment. His mother is now an alcoholic. She's unable to physically abuse Ed now, but she's verbally abusing him. He's six foot nine now. Yeah, so he's- big
3: guy, big guy. It's important to note as well, um, in the years while Ed was uh, incarcerated, uh, his mother did try to remarry twice but they both kind of dissolved quite quickly so these guys were not buying into her and uh, and uh, they, so they got she, out of there quite
0: Yeah quickly. I guess that will make her a lot more bitter and a lot more hateful um he he wasn't able to he wasn't forced to live in the basement but also at this point Kemper's getting a taste for alcohol himself he's going to the jury room which is a local police hangout he's also a big fan of police shows and he, he gets a real buzz from talking to the policeman I think as well him knowing in the back of his head what the crimes he's committed mm-hmm. he kind of feels like maybe he's infiltrating and learning bits here
3: yeah absolutely and obviously he's had five years in uh, that secure facility where he's, he's learned all these different uh, evaluation techniques all these different kind of common traits and uh, maybe t- uh, a few tips
0: yeah. Tricks. This is where he becomes known as Big Ed, a self-described
3: a self-describe friendly nuisance. According to regulars at the jury room, he was a likeable guy with a great personality. He would talk with police about what was going on in the area and offer tips and solutions. He was a very, very likeable, friendly, outgoing guy and was often described as a gentle giant. Some uh, of the regular coppers drinking in the jury room also referred to him as a police groupie. He did hope to become a police officer, but he was turned down because of his size. Yeah, unbelievable reason. You'd think the bigger the better, kind of like a bouncer, but uh, apparently it was because it was a state trooper position and he was too big for the motorbike. Oh, wow. I mean, I've seen those two fat twins on a motorbike,
0: and if they can take it,
3: big head. But I don't think they were, you know, chasing down criminals at the time you i'd watch it if they were i tell you that much yeah but, that's uh, fair. that is fair yeah.
0: yeah so november 29th 1972 kemper's juvenile records were permanently expunged
3: expunged um Articular ed kemper would probably be able to define that really well for us but essentially that means that they've been removed from the records completely completely eradicated he's out of prison he's he's made a few copper mates you know a bit like you copper mates yeah um he meets a student at a santa cruz beach um not often talked about this but um he actually ends up uh, becoming engaged with her the yeah, following I, year yeah, i didn't know that so there's a reason that you might not have heard of it what is due to follow and what we're about to cover um as a result his fiance's parents requested that her name not to be revealed to the public
0: that's um very thoughtful yeah. i'm gonna say because i mean the amount of documentaries there are about him i'm sure that she would have been absolutely hounded the whole yeah, time being associated with him so yeah f- well done parents i mean it's very rare we get to say well done to the parents in these in these uh, podcasts so we'll tip the little hat there so the same year kemper gets a job working on the highway division which is basically maintaining uh, fixing highways
3: kemper did pick up a nickname he was called the forklift um, and this is because of his ability to carry two 92-pound sacks of cement above his shoulders. So obviously to reiterate his power, his force, his strength, his size, um, you know, he, he was called forklift.
0: He gets hit by a car and he gets $15,000 settlement, which nowadays is worth almost $100,000. So that's a lot of money to be get. And with that money, he uses it to move out of his mother's house. He uses it to buy a certain car. Yeah,
3: a 1969 Ford Galaxy, um, which will feature prominently moving forward. Kemper finds that he... Uh, escapism almost in this car. So he absolutely loves just driving around in his car. Potentially it's because, you know, while driving, he's not going home to his mum's. He's not going back to, a, you know, an empty apartment. He's, he's just truly at peace.
0: Well, he said he, he loved driving when he was a kid. And then, obviously, that was uh, taken away from him when he was when he was away a locked away. So um, he uses time to drive around and um, and also just to kind of experience and witness kind of things that he felt like he missed out
3: on. So in doing this and in spending a lot of time on the road, Kemper starts to notice a lot of student. Uh, Hitchhikers in the area—a a suspiciously high number of hitchhikers, apparently uh, across the Santa Cruz area. He begins storing plastic bags, ropes, knives, blankets, and handcuffs in his car. So that's quite an escalation.
0: Yeah, it seems it seems to be an odd. Um, I mean, it's just gone. it seems to be fairly getting his life back together. He's just got the money, he's got the car, he's got a fiance, he's got an apartment. It's, it's kind of oh, there's a lot of hitchhikers around here. Let's fill the car up with weapons.
3: Yeah. Everything's coming up ahead, and he opts to kind of store a bit of a murder kit in his car. So with this suspicious amount of hitchhikers around, he starts picking up young women
0: and dropping off at their destination. According to Kemba, he did this 150 times before he started feeling homicidal sexual urges, which he called little zapples.
3: The urge is growing, um, and they escalate to uh, murderous grapples. How would you like them zapples? Literally...
0: How do you like them, apples? Not very much, Ed. May 7th, 1972, Kemba picks up two 18-year-old students from Fresno State University, Miriam Pesh and Anita Luchessa.
3: He offers to take them to Stanford University, which is almost 2 hours away. That's a very generous.
0: I mean, lift I guess I guess the hitchhiker does not know where he's going, so they're not thinking it's weird. He's probably thinking if I 2 hours, I've got them for 2 hours. Yeah, I've got 2 hours to act and also uh, probably, you know, can get far away from my my
3: hometown yeah allows a bit more scope for yeah options of his route after driving for an hour Kenpo reaches a secluded wooded area near Alameda California um, with which he was familiar with due to his work on the highway division he handcuffs Pesk and locks Luchesa in the trunk he then stabbed and strangled Pesk to death and proceeded to kill Luchesa in a very similar fashion Kemper later stated that while handcuffing Peshk, he accidentally brushed the back of his hand against her breast and said, whoops, I'm sorry, after grazing her breast despite murdering her minutes later. It's just a bit of insight. Like, like
0: he just seems very calm. I mean, even in Mindhunter, that's that scene where he's very calm and instantly he turns.
3: I think, like, it just makes him a bit more... Very apologetic. It's like that time I um, apologised to my room bar vacuum for walking in front of it. Kind of similar but different. I'm saying thank you to a cash machine. Yes. Yeah. Kemper puts
0: the bodies in his trunk and makes his way back to his apartment. On the way back, he is stopped by the police because it's a broken tail light.
3: Yeah. So this is um, scenario number one when Ed Kemper could have been stopped, could have been discovered.
0: So, broken tail light, they've stopped him for that and they've just given him a warning. I mean, you're not going to go, oh, broken tail light, I see you in your boot. Yeah. So it's kind of like. That's true.
3: Yeah. But I don't know if it was, you know, because he stabbed and strangled these girls. I Don't know if it's a bit of a bloody scene. If there's, you know, he's cleaned up afterwards. I don't know. Um, he's slightly out of the circumference of where people may, you know, the police force may be more familiar with him from uh, the jury in. Yeah. jury in. I mean, obviously, the jury room. If there was any blood, jury's
0: in. Can you imagine? If there was any blood in there, they're going to look at it. So he mm-hmm. must have. He, I think as well, he didn't. He stabbed them not in the car. Didn't he? He was out of the car.
3: Um, I believe it was outside of the car. Yes. Still, he's putting bloody corpses in his boot. You never know a bit of drip or whatever. But in, in any case, it's just... And again, he could freak out at this time. You know, he's just killed... Uh, well, not for the first time, his grandparents, obviously, but he's just uh, killed his first non-related victims. Yeah. Um, he could freak out at being stopped. He could think he's being pulled over yeah. for the murders straight away.
0: He gets the corpses to his apartment. His roommate isn't in, luckily. And then he takes photos of their nude corpses and proceeds to have sexual intercourse with both of them and then he
3: dismembers them and he
0: disposes their body parts and plastic bags across Loma Prieta Mountain.
3: Yeah, so again, we talk about what he what he does to his victims once he has kind of, and control is a big thing for him. He's never had control over everything anything in his life up till this point. Now, once he's killed the victims, he, he, he wants to do that as quickly as possible so that he can then get them to this state, which yeah. is disgusting, it's horrifying, and um, unfortunately, there is more to come. Another notable point is that we talked about Kemper working for the highway uh, the highway service mm-hmm. um, and having the accident where he got a nice little settlement fee. He actually killed his first two victims with a completely shattered left arm that was in a cast at the time. So just to reiterate his size, his power, um, he was able to kill both victims, move their bodies, decapitate them, dismember them, all with only one hand. September 14th, 1972, Kemper picks up 15-year-old dance student Aiko Koo, who decided to hitchhike to a dance class after missing her bus. Now, again, I went through um, uh, the transcript of one of uh, Kemper's more recent parole hearings. It's it's a fascinating read if you've got time like me. The reason why her age is is slightly lower compared to the rest of the victims is because she gave uh, Kemper the impression that she was a student at Berkeley, so he was under the impression she was kind of 18, 19-year-olds. Okay. She's not. She's 15. Uh, she's missed her bus. She's looking for a lift to get to her dance class. Apparently a very talented dancer. Kemper again drives to a remote wooded area where he pulls a gun on Koo before accidentally locking himself out of his car. Hmm. So how that happens... Yeah, I mean,
0: that's... Yeah, that's a, a, a rookie mistake. I mean, he's yeah. still we're well, not new to this he's already killed four people but um, he somehow manages she lets him back in the car
3: yeah so apparently um, he'd already had her at gunpoint before getting out the car I think I assume that maybe he'd got out the car to try and come round and open yeah. get her out of the car um, he's got out the car's locked whether it's her or himself locking himself out I don't yeah. know um, he's panicking but apparently um, he had built enough trust with her um, that he, she allowed him back in the car yeah which- Um So she unlocks the door, Kemper gets in, chokes her to uh, to an unconscious state, rapes her and kills her. So this is an interesting one. She is unconscious, but this is the first person he actually, and only person that he rapes while alive. Uh, the The thing
0: about her letting him in, he did have a gun in his hand, so... That's true. I mean, I could kind of see like why he did that. Anyway, he put the body in the trunk and he drove to a bar to have a few drinks. He uh, later would admit to going back to the trunk of his car after having a few drinks and marring the body like a fisherman would his catch. He takes the body back to his apartment again. Though luckily, the flatmate isn't in again, and he uh, he's had quite a bit of
3: luck there as well. He dismembers I don't know what the flatmate does. He
0: has sex with the corpse, dismembers, and disposes the remains in a similar way to the first two victims
3: january seventh nineteen seventy three we move into the second year second calendar year of kemper's spree um now kemper at this time has, has has opted to move back in with his mother, so I don't know if he's ran out of that kind of settlement fee um, yeah. cash that he's burning um but anyway he, he's he's moved back in with his mum um again, it's a very toxic environment for him um he has an argument with his mum. Decides to go out and have a drive, but he, this time he's driving and he's on the lookout for his next victim. Yeah. This is where he picks up 18-year-old Cindy Shaw. He drives her again to a remote wooded area and shoots her in the head with a pistol. He then puts her body in the uh, trunk of his car and drives back to his mother's house, where he places the corpse in his bedroom closet.
0: He leaves it there overnight, waits for his mother to go to work the next day, removes the bullet from the corpse, and then proceeds to have sex with the corpse.
3: He then dismembers and decapitates her in his mother's bathtub, um, and again, it's it's insinuated afterwards that um, that uh, he did that, you know, he, uh, in his mother's house uh, as a as a way of kind of retaliating to all mm. of his mother's uh, misdoings to him over the years. Um, so Kemper decapitates her in his mother's bathtub he then disposes the body parts by throwing them off a cliff however he keeps hold of the head for several days regularly engaging in irumatio please don't google that word if you um, are intrigued it's not not worth it
0: he eventually buries his head in his mother's backyard which again I guess that's a sign of um you know, an it's effort. like a
3: territory thing almost
0: yeah it's an nephew to his mum as well yeah February 5th, 1973, Kemper has a heated argument with his mother and left his house in search of a possible victim. So seems to be getting a bit of a pattern here. Yeah. He's getting raised with his mother and then he head out and look for look for the kill. With heightened suspicion of a serial killer preying on the hitchhikers in the Santa Cruz area, students are advised only to accept rides from cars with university stickers on them.
3: Having moved back in with his mum, uh, she also worked at the university. He uh, was, was happy to place one of her um, employee stickers on the bumper of his car. So uh, he was obviously privy to that information, watching the news, kind of tracking what was going on. He was drinking down at the jury room. So again, getting kind of intel, insider information from all his copper buddies and um, yeah, places that sticker on. And again...
0: So he then picks up 23-year-old Rosalind Thorpe and 20-year-old Alice Lou. According to Kemper, Thorpe entered the car first and reassured Lou to enter. He drove a short distance before fatally shooting both. Um, he again takes the bodies to his mother's house, this time beheading them in the car and carrying the headless bodies into the mother's house, proceeding to have sexual intercourse. He then dismembered the bodies and removed the bullets to prevent identification.
3: The next morning, he discarded their remains at Eden Canyon. Now, when questioned in an interview as to why he decapitated his victims, it would be a, a you know a trend, a kind of a signature of uh, the co-ed killer or the co-ed butcher. Kemper explained, The head trip fantasies were a bit like a trophy. You know, the head is where everything is at. The brain, the eyes, the mouth, that's the person. I remember being told as a kid, you cut off the head and the body dies. Well, that's not quite true. There's a lot left in the girl's body without the head, which is... is very, very eerie. I mean... Some of the stuff he said just sounds like a horror B movie, like... Yeah. Take the head off and then the body dies. It's yeah, just... or he's approaching it as a professional butcher. You know, like the way they approach cutting the head off a chicken.
1: A <laughs> <laughs> Selling a little, or a lot, <laughs> Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Go to shopify.com slash audioboom now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash audioboom.
0: Professional butcher. Yeah, so, um, what do you want, a chicken? Yeah, when you cut the head off of the chicken, it dies, by the way. Do you still want it? Yes, I want, no, I want a live
3: chicken. What do you want? Too late. So that brings us to April 20th, 1973, The Final Victims. So, after drunkenly coming home from a party, Kemper's 52-year-old mother makes her way back into the house. Now, in doing so, she wakes up a six-foot-nine-inch, we'll we'll repeat his height again, sleeping Ed Kemper. Sleeping giant. Sleeping giant, snoozing away, slumbering giant. Kemper decides uh, to just check in on her, so he pops upstairs uh, to her bedroom, where he finds her sitting on the bed reading a magazine or reading a novel. So she finds him standing there in her doorway and this is kind of a snidey comment she says oh i suppose you're going to want to sit up and talk all night aren't you
0: yeah which is a it's a weird weird insult um and i would have thought ed's never really wanted to do that with his mum because she's been uh, always been horrible to him um and that's uh, not not wasn't the wisest way to treat him
3: at this point was it ben yeah that's that's the bizarre trigger point so kemper softly replies no good night and goes back downstairs and proceeds to wait for her to fall asleep.
0: He waited for her to fall asleep, and he returned to the room and bludgeoned her with a claw hammer and slit her throat with a knife. Uh, so that's three family members he has is, he is killed.
3: Yeah. He subsequently decapitates his mum and engages in irrematio. Again, don't pop that in your Google machine. It's not worth it. It's basically, yeah, sex with the head. I mean, yeah. Kemper claims that he then put her head on a shelf and screamed at it for hours. Um, He then proceeds to throw darts at the head as well as removing her tongue and tearing out her vocal cords.
0: He then puts them in a garbage disposal.
3: Um, and they the, the
0: think that he, he did this because of all the years of abuse of her verbally abusing him. It's him blending these up and it's, it's his way of kind of like winning. Which yeah. uh, And this whole thing he was doing, he was doing it to completely humiliate her as well. This was all a sign of just going, I've won, essentially.
3: So just like her ex-husband, just like the many men that she kind of befriended after divorcing, just like Ed, the garbage disposal couldn't take her vocal cord. What happened? It rejected them and they came back up through the sink. It couldn't uh, actually um, break down his mother's vocal cords. So it's quite an ironic twist there. Thought you'd like that. Yeah. Kemper recalls that moment seemed very appropriate.
0: Kemper then put his mother's headless corpse into his closet and went for a drink at a nearby bar. He was getting a bit nervy at this point, thinking that he was going to be found out. He actually invites one of his mother's friends around for a movie. Her very best friend. It's only Sally Hallett. Sally Hallett. He thought Sally was most likely going to be the one that would come around and and smell a rat. Mm -hmm. So he invited her around. And then he strangles her to death.
3: Yeah. And another uh, interesting thing extracted from Kemper's most recent parole hearing transcript of 2017. um, He mentioned in killing his mother's friend, Sally Hallett, he actually did this for revenge. Um, It's alleged that it was also a possible motive to make it look like they just both went off on a vacation together. However, he says, no, 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 I did that for revenge. And the reason I did that is that the two of them had agreed to spend a summer traveling over to Europe together. For four weeks, they were going to go and spend two weeks in England and two weeks in France. On the day that they were due to deposit for their trip, Sally backed out and really messed his mum around with the down payment. He then went on to say, If my mother ever dies from the stuff I did, Sally is going with her. This is one trip she's not going to miss.
0: He does have a way with words. Yeah,
3: but interestingly then, he's doing that in retaliation for her upsetting his mother. So there is... Uh, amongst all the hate there is some love for his mum
0: so Kemba left a note for the police that read approximately 5.15am Saturday no need for her to suffer anymore at the hands of this horrible murderous butcher it was quick asleep the way I wanted it not sloppy and incomplete gents just a lack of time I've got things to do so for a wordsmith, not very wordy in the letter. Yeah, not uh, as
3: eloquent as he normally is, but no. then again, I guess he's in a bit of a rush. He's in a bit of a panic, so maybe mm. that's a, a one panicked Kemper. It's like
0: when you leave and you just leave a little post-it note on the wall.
3: yeah. Or if you text while driving, yeah. um, which you shouldn't do, guys, you shouldn't do. Kemper then flees the scene and drives non-stop to Pueblo, Colorado. This is almost 1,500 miles away from the area of <laughs> which he's just killed his mother.
0: Yeah, so, so like the monologue says, he gets there and he decides he's going to call the police and hand himself in, just like how his mother told him to do when he killed his grandparents.
3: Yeah, So this, this is a case full of patterns, um, you know, disgusting patterns, but there's the sequences and patterns and again this is at a time when serial killers were not a known thing but no. Kemper helped establish this as a uh, as a as a theme as a phrase as a word it, uh, they were called sequence killers before Kemper um, and again you spot the sequences here you pot, you spot the patterns and um, there's a regular one uh, uh, you know running through so he's arrived uh, in Pueblo, Colorado. Um, he's exhausted physically, emotionally, mentally, absolutely, you know, close to, to collapse at this stage. Um, he picks up the, well, he goes into a phone booth, picks up the phone. And the first call he makes to the Santa Monica Department of Justice is um, kind of almost laughed off. They don't take him seriously. He admits to killing his mum and her best friend and that the bodies are in the house. And they tell him to call back at a more appropriate hour. He
0: self-described himself as a friendly nuisance to the police and you know, the ones he's friends with. I mean, if that if they consider that's the kind of thing he does when mucking about, then... Yeah.
3: Oh. It, yeah, so I mean... Killed me mum, killed a mate, they're upstairs in the wardrobe, one of them's not oh, go ahead.
0: Yeah. Oh, Ed, you just... Oh, stop mucking about. That's so big, Ed. Can you call back another time? Because we, we're actually really busy. We're trying to find this killer, the co-ed yeah. killer. Can you... can you, I am the... No, can, can you call back tomorrow, Ed? I've had enough. Okay, I'll call back tomorrow.
3: And call back is what he did. So a few hours later, he calls back and specifically asks for Jim Connor, who he knows personally. Um, He's confessed to Connor that he's killed his mum and Hallett and wanted the uh, wanted the police to go and see for themselves at his address. Um, which they do. Um, He then waits for the police to arrive again, like Tom said, just like when he killed his grandparents. Kemper then also confessed to the murders of six students. Um, This, as well as his grandparents, mother and her best friend, takes Kemper's total victim count to 10. When asked why he turned himself in, Kemper said, the original purpose was now gone, the original purpose being his mum. Um, It wasn't serving any physical or real or emotional purpose. It was just a pure waste of time. Emotionally, I couldn't handle it much longer. I was emotionally and physically exhausted to the point of near collapse. I just said to hell with it and called it off.
0: Let's cut the whole thing off. Cut the whole thing off.
3: It's funny you mention, obviously, the police kind of laughing them off, saying they're too busy. Well, there are actually two prominent serial killers on the scene at the same time as Kemper, and one of them we'll get to know slightly more uh, shortly. But there was also John Lindley Frazier and Herbert Mullins on the scene, perpetuating their own crimes in the same area, um, basically resulted in Santa Cruz receiving the uh, anonymous nickname Murder Capital of the World.
0: Oh, there you go. I mean, it's Kemper, um, the way he talks, the way he looks, the way he speaks, how articulate he is. He does stand out in this world of serial killers.
1: It started with surrogates at a non-human level. Physical objects, my possessions, other people's, destruction of things that are cared about. And then it's destruction of things that are living on a lower level. Small animals, uh, insects, animals, and then finally people. I am an American... And I killed Americans. I am a human being and I killed human beings. And I did it in my society. But also
0: just the fact that he handed himself in is a thing which
1: is, un- is unheard of. Well, uh, that's it,
3: yeah. So Manson, not, not quite the same level, but Manson was uh, caught, arrested, imprisoned, passed away in prison. Dharma, caught, imprisoned, murdered in prison. Bundy, caught, arrested, imprisoned, executed. Gacy caught, arrested, in prison, executed. Kemper gave himself in, still alive today. Anyway, so Kemper is
0: indicted on eight counts of first-degree murder. Uh, these he's, he's this does not include he he's not um, charged with the his two grandparents. He's already served that time. So due to Kemper's explicit and detailed confession, his counsel's only option was to plead not guilty by reason of insanity. I mean, he's already served time in a uh, in a unit for um, mental illness. So it kind of it's probably quite. You know, that's where you would go with fear. Yeah.
3: yeah, absolutely. And it's uh, there's an interesting point made by real-life hunter Detective John E. Douglas, who interviewed Kemper regularly after he is arrested. And he claims that with serial killers or sequence killers at the time that they were known, it's like they had their own CD. Uh, to Throw it back to the CD days in their mind. And what you have to do is unlock it somehow and press play. So by asking the right questions. Now, with Kemper, he said once you started playing that CD, you could not get it to stop.
0: That is a terrible metaphor. Yeah, because it's like once you unlock it, put, let's see. Okay, maybe this: you get you buy a CD from HMV back in the day. It has a security label on. So it's like, oh, it's Kemba's mind is a security label. If I get past that, then I can listen to the CD. So they yeah. rip, rip that off, not just unlock it.
3: But he did go on to say, a killer's accomplishment in life is that particular crime or crimes. You have to kind of turn on that CD. Once you turn it on, it's remarkable what they remember and what they recall, all the specifics. You really couldn't shut Kemper up. He is extremely bright. The detail that Kemper went into was incredible for that length and period of time. It sounds insane, but Kemper is not insane. If he was insane, we would have caught him and identified him a lot sooner. He gave himself to us. Also, with it, the control
0: thing about him giving himself up—it's—it's it's kind of um, his, it's in his own hands. Well, he's kind of retiring the victor because he wasn't. He will never say he will never be caught because he was the one that gave himself up. It's like playing a FIFA tournament—you play, you win one game, and then you're like. Right, right i'm done yeah so I'm not playing hey, anyone else 100 percent record so where's I mean, the snacks <laughs> Kemba, the big old boy <laughs> so it's talking about snacks i didn't know this and just come across the notes now the, yeah. the cannibalism he would later take it back so he so he claimed at one point that During the trial, he trial i think this made, was along
3: the lines of them trying to get him, to oh, him so like t- okay so try to try and make it sound insane and they said maybe we play on the lawyers as well saying that guilty by reason of insanity yeah what else can you do in that situation
0: yeah so making a flesh casserole which he's apparently said to try and push him towards the insanity um bargain i guess but yeah he le- later on recanted that
3: um flesh casserole yeah. yeah while in custody kemper tries to commit suicide uh multiple times but he is never successful and his trial goes ahead on october 23rd 1973 they found Kemper to be legally sane and fit for trial.
0: November 8th, 1973, just over two weeks after the trial started, the six-man and six-woman jury deliberated for five hours, declaring Kemper sane and guilty on all counts. Kemper asked for the death penalty. Quite a specific one, as I recall. The old death by torture. Which isn't a thing.
3: No. Yeah,
0: um, very odd and very sadistic
3: way of wanting to go. I think, is that something he says knowing that it's not going to happen, you know, a bit of a match a macho. Yeah. However, capital punishment at the time in California had been halted. Kemper instead receives seven years to life for each of the eight counts of murder. He was sentenced to serve these concurrently at the California Medical Facility, where he remains today at the ripe old age of 71. He served some of his sentence at the same time as other notable California-based criminals, Charles Manson, and we mentioned him earlier... Herbert Mullen. Yes, they caught Herbert Mullen. Kemper showed a particular dislike for Mullen because Mullen committed his crimes at the same time and in the same area as Kemper. Oh. Uh, so again, it's not admiring his work it's very much. He, he viewed him as a low-grade criminal. He just says he's just a cold-blooded killer. Yeah. Killer that everybody saw for no good reason. Yeah, exactly. Whereas Kemper, I guess, viewed himself as being a really established fort.
0: Well, like Kemper, Kemper said, he did, he he picked his victims randomly. Yeah. So there's... So he's just picking them randomly. He's killing them essentially because he's in an argument with his mum.
3: Yeah. I mean, you
0: sound a lot like Herbie Mullen, yeah. Kemper. Sorry, Kemps.
3: You are a big lad though, so I won't say it to your face. While imprisoned with Mullen, uh, admits to manipulating and physically intimidating Mullen. Um, so Mullen's over a foot and a half shorter than Kemper. He's claimed that Mullen, who who was pleading insane and playing up a little bit, yeah. used to sing all the time, no matter where he was. So Kemper threw cold water over him and that immediately stopped him from singing he would then, when, uh, he, he claims when Herbie is a good boy, he gets peanuts and gives him peanuts. He then went on to class this as behavior modification treatment. Well, then he said that uh, pretty soon um, Herbie would ask his permission to sing. There you go. So he's asserting his mm-hmm. dominance. It's uh, like um, Pavla,
0: Pav- Pavlovian conditioning. Pavlovian conditioning. You
3: hear a bell, you get a treat.
0: Pavlov's dog.
3: Ding! Peanut
0: so Kemper has remained in the California medical facility for 47 years so far
3: that's that's a long time and he's
0: remained a model prisoner
3: yeah
0: on our instagram you might have seen the post we did not too long ago where it says whilst being in prison he's done audio multiple audiobooks
3: star wars star wars some star wars yeah
0: oh there you go um
3: Um, i heard him doing and we'll find it um c3po's voice and it was quite good
1: behave yourself r2 you're going to get us into trouble
0: A little bit of a a peek behind the curtain, Uh, once I I made the image of uh, the Kemper reading the book, Um, I showed it to my fiancé, and she asked me if that was my face. Going back to the recordings he did, Kemper in prison, he did over 5,000 hours worth of narration for audiobooks for the blind. He retired from these positions in 2015 after he experienced a stroke and was declared medically disabled.
3: Yeah, so uh, during that 47-year period that we mentioned he held multiple positions. He um he going back to his days in in uh uh the previous hospital that he'd been in the previous facility, he was in charge of scheduling other inmates appointments with psychiatrists, which obviously he had experience with doing yeah. previously. He also found himself to be quite the craftsman of ceramic cups. And in one of the documentaries we watched, there was a very kind of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory looking cup with an apology glazed Do you into what I said? it. It said, "Oh, good. But God, I beg your pardon. I didn't promise a rose garden." So he actually sent that to one of the detectives that was uh, a lead on the case um, by way of apology.
0: So in prison, he was the, he was the model uh, inmate. Um, he never um, once violated any rules until 2016, when he failed to provide a urine sample. I don't really know why. He like
3: who knows the reason why? But well, he'd had a stroke. He'd become a bit of a diabetic. Yeah, so maybe he was just not in the mood.
0: Yeah. I guess, but you'd probably allow. I don't know.
3: If that's one one cross on a you know forty uh, seven year record, mm. he seems like a bit of a control freak, perfectionist. Yeah. Um, I w- I can't see him doing that. He's, essentially, yeah,
0: he's been denied or waived over a dozen parole hearings while incarcerated, and is next eligible in twenty twenty four. Though it's alleged that Kemper is happy and plans on
3: dying in prison. Yes, yeah, so the most recent uh parole hearing that he had the transcript is available online. Um it's from 2017. It was fascinating. Um but we got some some information that's not kind of readily available, you know, in the in the ether um about Kemp. Going back to the theme of control um and and kind of failed uh, failure as a man as a possible motive. Um, you know, he didn't have many relationships. His mum convinced him that no woman or no girl would ever love him. Kemper has gone on to state that once I had them in the car, I wasn't going to let them out because I was tired of people walking out on me. There's quite some incel vibes going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and again, that could go back to maybe his dad walking out on them, although they divorced and he relocated. Um yeah, it's we like, don't know a lot even. Well, it's it's like
0: it's like a lot of these cases. It's, it is the case of control and wanting to be in you know. And if you kill someone, obviously you're dictating what happens from that point onward. But, um, but yeah, I mean, he just seems to have like the question you said at the very beginning was it was it a learned behaviour? I think you are counting him a bit too much slack if you think that he was morphed in this way.
3: Well, yeah, I mean, he had an extremely dysfunctional childhood. Um, you know, he he had a, he had a, yeah he had a mum who he had
0: a ho- like a horrible horrible mum. Yeah, his dad
3: left. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's like that, the fact that he starts like killing cats
3: and stuff, I kind of feel like... I mean, the warning signs were there, I agree, but I do think there's so much that's happened to him throughout his life that has pushed him to, to not act out, lash out. Ultimately, he's ki- he's killed victims and this is what I keep reminding myself when I kind of, I find it, You know, myself in those endearing moments. He's killed women, half his age, well, no, similar age to him at the time, half quarter of his size, third of his size, yeah, yeah. you know, he smothered them.
0: It's, ca- it's cowardly, yeah. I mean, yeah. a man of his size, I'm not saying he'd be much braver to kill other men, but it's, it's, it's yeah. essentially the, the thought, yeah, he had a very diff- difficult childhood. I'll never know the kind of pains and struggles he went through. His mother sounded like an, a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, he can't then go, oh, well, you know. Yeah.
3: I mean, the only male he killed was his senile grandfather and he shot him from behind. Yeah. So there you go. Um, Kemper claimed frustration as a big motive for his crimes. He was frustrated that he couldn't do anything with his victims when they were alive, so he killed them to fulfil those desires.
0: Yeah, I mean that's yeah, that's what he that's what he's saying. So I can't I can't disagree with that being his in his head. But at the same time, I mean in all of this, I mean the gagging order wherever it was that his fiance's parents done has, has worked absolutely blinded here because we've got nothing on her, but. Yeah. He had a fiancé. yeah. So it's like, if anything, be a good fiancé and don't be going out being jealous about not being able to spend time with a bunch of students. So it's it's uh, I'm, not, I'm not feeling sympathy for it, Kemper, at all in any way. I mean, neither of us are, but it's just like his – I think he's very – because he is a wordsmith and he's got a lot of these his little excuses he's using. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's as if to go, oh, fair play. No, not fair
3: play. The psychology of Kemper is a fascinating one. Um, So Kemper, um, when discussing his victims, states that my original intention was to make it very quick for them, for none of them to be aware of what was happening. Not to keep them from stopping the crime, it was to keep them from suffering. I have a real bad problem depriving people of their lives. It wasn't the aspect of killing them, it was the aspect of possessing their bodies afterwards. So it was almost after the fact, evicting someone from their body. And I'm sorry it sounds so cold, but that's what it analogizes to
0: again, I think he's just trying to i think he's just trying to manipulate people in 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 thinking that he, oh wait you know he did he didn't want to put them in through pain he wanted to do he is taking their bodies i know they're dead, which he's taking their bodies to his flat and doing all these terrible things to them so it's like uh, i think it, i think he's manipulating through the transcripts
3: mm-hmm. I think that's fair. Kemper's mother's house is still standing. Um, You know, I know he did some horrible things inside that house, buried bodies, you know, body parts, you know, in the garden as well, but it is still standing. It's in Aptos, California, 609 Ord Road, but it does appear on Google Maps for any Google Maps fans, curious people out there, as 609 Harriet Avenue. Another little trick that we discovered is that once the girl was in the car with him, he would claim that they'd left their door unlocked, reached across, and as he pretended to shut the door properly, he would drop a chapstick just behind the door handle, which and basically blocked the door from opening. As well as this, when he did pull up, he would always, if they didn't get in the car straight away, kind of look at his watch, look back at them and go, you know, act like a businessman, act like he's got somewhere to go. And he's, you know, put some distance between himself and potentially the co-ed killer. Yeah, it
0: just kind of shows how calculated he was and again, how manipulative he is and he knows the kind of exactly what the concerns people are going to be having and he's able to ease their their worries essentially. So that is the case of Ed
3: Kemper, the co-ed killer, the ogre of Santa Cruz.
0: And that's it for yeah. a series 1. Case closed. What That'd a journey.
3: Be. Yeah. So there are six episodes now. Please um... Please know that we'll be back shortly, you know, with season two. Uh, we've already kind of thrown some ideas between us, you know, splat. And some are sticking, some aren't sticking, um, about which cases we're going to cover. Um, so the ideas are already there. We'll be back. In the meantime, there's some bingeable content for you right now. There's six episodes, six hours, a few rom-coms uh, worth of... Uh, four rom-coms worth. Four. four. football matches worth.
0: Um Ooh. If it please please enjoy please share please keep spreading the word we really appreciate that if, if you're listening to audio please give us a review and, a, and subscribe that really helps us out it really spreads out spreads the name out there on on the, on the charts so people get see it a lot more gets more attention um if you've enjoyed the episode give us
3: a comment and like and subscribe and in the meantime guys as we said the social media stuff will still be ongoing we'll still have fresh content every day on instagram every day on twitter and if you're joining us via audio and just want to take a look you're intrigued to see what you know what we look like pop over to youtube come and have a look at us there's some very fun visuals
0: yeah there's a lot more visual content there's you know we have images of crime scenes we have lots of different things on here so it's always worth a little peep over here yeah. but thank you very much for sticking with us for this first series we're going to be back and bigger than ever um and yes yeah, thank you very much
3: yeah we can't wait to be back for season two see you guys soon we'll see you soon well i'll touch you or no see you guys soon
1: Go to Shopify.com/slash/AudioBoom now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com/slash/AudioBoom.
2: Toyota Thon is on, so stop in and get a great deal on a rugged new Tacoma or Tundra, ready to tackle the toughest weather. Find out more at Toyota.com. Hurry! Toyota Thon ends January 2nd. Toyota, let's go places.
0: I Could Murder a Podcast is proudly part of the ACAST Creator Network. For hundreds of extra minisodes and other content, along with our private Discord server and live Q&As, exclusive merch and much more, consider
2: subscribing to icmap.co.uk.